You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast, a show for women who are chasing their everyday and epic adventures. This podcast is hosted by Christy Moan and me, Katherine Taylor, and powered by Feisty Media. Well, hello, Katherine Taylor. Hi, I am um, super jealous of your weekend last weekend. Oh, it was fun. It was really fun. And I saw lots of my friends and videos. Of- you had, you had friends here for sure. So it was, but it was a good time. I mean, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, cold, cold, warmer, cold. Oh gosh. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's March in Kansas. You never, know, really, really yeah, it is. It is. Um, but it was, it was just, it was chilly. Every morning was very cold, like freezing or below. And then it, Friday or Saturday, it did warm up and got, it was pretty beautiful Saturday, but Sunday was back to rainy, sloppy, like 28 cold. Well, besides the cold, it's good practice. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Good practice. So, um, but lots of fun for sure. It was a good camp. Yeah. So is that the only unbound camp that y'all have this year? Mm-hmm. Yep. That is, that's it. So you know, when everybody leaves, it's kind of that sad letdown moment because you Emporia fills up with all that extra energy, and then well, and they're like, oh, uh, they're all gone. They're all gone now for a few, and then they'll be back. They'll be back, <laughs> all yeah. of them, all of them. Well, what's funny is like we have campers now that love coming and doing the like riding the Flint Hills and love camp, and they don't even do the event anymore. They like the camaraderie of the smaller and the and the more the days the more days of riding. Um, and then obviously, you know, it's kind of, you're taken care of because we do all the meals and it's just, you just come in and it's just a really fun weekend. So, uh, speaking of meals, so this just got confirmed that, uh, we have chef Bijou Thomas is going to be doing all the meals for the gravel festival. Oh, that'll be a blast. I'm so excited about it. Yeah. That's great. I was looking at his stuff, like Amy sent it over and, um, cause you know, last year that was like, I would say if we had one big miss. It was, I would agree. (laughs) (laughs) And part of it was, it was really coming out of COVID. It was really, really hard to find a caterer. Yeah. Like we tried a lot of, we tried a lot of different things and we just couldn't find. So we found this woman. She was very sweet, but it was nice. Anyway, everything else was great, but we were like, okay, we are not going to F this up again this year. So um, yeah, he's done like a ton of work in the cycling space and obviously he's a co-founder at scratch labs and has written up a cookbook so um i'm pretty excited about it that's gonna be awesome yeah it's gonna be pretty awesome yay so yeah so sign up yeah we still have some spots so sign up um for that and then we're also gonna with um in partnership with uh brook gowdy we're gonna have some rowdy gowdies there so we're feisty's giving five scholarships to um uh, so doesn't you have to, we want to have diversity there and we want it to be a community that's connected with Brooke because of some work we're doing with her. So mm-hmm. he's like, I don't like the word scholarship. I'm like, I can't think of another word. <laughs> so mm-hmm. grant, she didn't like the word grant. grant I don't like anyway. the word grant. Partnership. Collaboration. Collaboration. We're going to have yeah. five spots for folks that want to come, but maybe it is a bit of a stretch. A rowdy gowdy collaboration. Nice. Roddy Gaudi collab. So anyway, that 
may be out or should be coming out if you are interested look on the social media so that would be specifically for uh women of color that want to come so yeah i'm pretty excited about everything that's coming up for that oh it's gonna be great um and the reason i'm talking about it is because we (laughs) we're like we've had this person on the podcast and we realized we have never had casey on the podcast right and casey was our mechanic last year at the gravel festival bmc brought her in and she was i mean so good and now we learned today why she's so good at teaching people it's a hot commodity (laughs) (laughs) um but uh so yeah we talked to her and we kind of get some scoop and what it's like to be a woman in the industry and how she got into this job and that there are opportunities if it's something that interests you to make some money and do some creative stuff so anyway i think you're going to really enjoy this conversation with casey with tasky (laughs) i think you got it good job (laughs) It's so hard for me. Names. Names are hard. We love you, Casey, even if I can't say your name correctly. (laughs) One of the most frustrating things about going to big gravel races in the last few years is I have been getting sick pretty much every time I travel. And I travel about once a month for work or to a big gravel event or something related. And it's so frustrating when I get there and I can already feel the sore throat and the cold coming on, and it really takes me out for several weeks. And that's why I'm excited about our new podcast sponsor, Prevenex. We've worked with Prevenex within our Feisty brands for a long time. If you listen to Hit Play Not Pause, you've heard about joint support. Um, You've also heard about their great protein powder, but I am really obsessed with this product called Immune Health Plus. It has helped me go from getting sick every time I travel to I've not been sick one time this year. And and I've also been on the road a good bit already this year. So it has everything that you need for immune health support, and it's way better than anything you're going to find in a grocery store or health food store. It's supercharged with immune-boosting ingredients like elderberry fruit, extract, zinc, vitamin D, vitamin C, and calcium. Now, if you want to stay healthy through your race season this year, you're going to use the code Girls Gone Gravel for 15% off your first purchase of Immune Health Plus or any of their other products. That's Girls Gone Gravel for 15% off of your purchase. And you go to Prevanex.com. You can find that in the show notes. Awesome. It's a Monday. We're it on is Monday. Game. <laughs> <laughs> it's got all the Monday feels too. Well, especially because you just finished Unbound Camp. I know, which was amazing. That was really, it was really fun. Really yeah. fun. Uh, well, we'll have to get all the scoop on that later. But uh, speaking of camp things, <laughs> isn't that a good transition? This is amazing. <laughs> Christy's tired. She's like, you're not even funny right now. Um, we have, oh shit, Casey, I forgot to, Waitaski? Waitaski? Yes, Waitaski, yep. Waitaski. I was like, oh, I knew there was something I forgot to mention at the beginning. So we have Casey Waitaski. Who is actually going to be at the Gone Graveling Festival again this year? Woo! Magically. A rad female mechanic and a lot of other things. So thanks for joining us, Casey. Thank you. I'm stoked to be here. Um, okay. We always start with the question how the heck did you get on bikes? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I rode bikes as a kid, but then grew up and had a child of my own and went into the parenting scene and kind of it fell off off my radar until my child was a teenager and wanted to get on to the high school mountain bike team. So I uh, started with the team as a coach. 
so that's kind of how I started getting into mountain biking, um, was just basically coaching the high school mountain bike team. And at the same time I was doing that, I, um, started volunteering at a local nonprofit called Key City Bike, which is a, uh, bike kitchen basically. So people donate their bikes and then volunteers fix up those bikes and then get them back into the community for people to use for transportation or whatever they need. So, um, I had been volunteering there for about a year when one day I was walking down the street um, to help a friend uh, who had a flat tire and I was carrying a hand pump and um, some other tools and a gentleman, I was sitting on the side of the road and as I passed him, he said, oh, do you need help with your bike? And I thought for a minute and I was like, no, no, thank you. I am the help. And that moment was like, such an empowering moment for me to be like, no, I don't need anybody else's help. In fact, I'm helping my friend. And um, it it was really moving to me. And it made me think that, you know, there's, there's people you can help, you can help and you can work on your own bike. And um, that kind of just, I dived into learning mechanics, like I wanted to know it all. And I wanted to be the person to help people um, with their bikes. So that's kind of what got me into it, the mountain biking coaching. And then really just feeling that, that sense of empowerment of like, this bike can be fixed and I'm capable of doing that. And so are you. Um, and so that really, yeah, it just became my mission to, to share that with others that, that you can do it too. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. Were you already riding? Like when your son, sorry, was it your son or daughter started? It was my son. Yeah. So I, I wasn't riding much. And so the first practice, you know, I went out there and, um, I was just a sweeper. I just followed the kids, make sure no one got left behind. And I quickly felt very inadequate. Like, okay, even if I'm just a sweeper, I'm a coach to these children and they need to know, you know, the proper techniques of how to mountain bike. And I, so I felt like, in that role, even a volunteer role, it was my duty to become a certified coach to really understand what I was coaching. So within that first year, I went and got certified as a professional mom bike coach, so PMBIA. Um, and that gave me a lot of the knowledge needed to just really feel confident in instilling skills in these kids um, that were, you know, serious about getting into bike racing and, and getting into cycling. So really felt like it was a responsibility of mine to know what I was teaching. Um, and so I got certified and started loving coaching. Like that became, that's it kind of falls into the same category as teaching mechanics, teaching, you, you know, cycling skills. I just really, really loved the ad- education uh, aspect of it and just breaking things down so people could understand them. And so that's what I do in my mechanic work. That's what I do in my coaching work. Are you still coaching NICA teams? No. So I coached NICA teams from 2014 to 2018. And then um, I started a position with Live Cycling as a demo tech. And so that was a full-time position on the road. So I was traveling across the United States full-time. So I wasn't able to continue coaching students, but um, I was able to coach women. So that was part of my position was doing intro to mountain bike clinics with our demo fleet um, so that people weren't only just getting a, like a great fit on the bike, but they were actually getting a great experience too, because they're actually learning how to ride that bike properly. That's awesome. Are you still doing that then? 
Yeah. So I still okay. contract with Live Cycling um, and I do demos with them. I also contract with BMC and they're the ones sending me out uh, to the festival in May. So I work with different bike brands and um, different uh, coaching associations, different um, camps like Ladies All Ride. I've worked with um, the the grit clinics. So did you go and get any kind of formal mechanic training? I did. Yeah. So in 2018, I actually, because of my, um, volunteer work with key city bike, I had been volunteering for them since 2013. So for five years, I was volunteering. I became their executive director also on a volunteer basis. And in 2018, right before I accepted the position with live, I had won a scholarship to get my, um, my, mechanic certification through United Bicycle Institute. Um, and QBP was the person, the, the entity that was offering these scholarships. So QBP sent me in 2018, I did get certified as a professional mechanic through UBI. And then in 2020, when COVID hit and every, I got laid off because events weren't happening. Um, I took a position with United Bicycle Institute as a contract um, guest instructor, and I actually got to teach at UBI for six months during the That's pandemic. Awesome. So, <laughs> That's why yeah. you're so good at teaching clinics. <laughs> Everybody was like, oh my God, that was the best clinic I ever went to. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> How many women are in those UBI classes typically? Not many, honestly, maybe one and sometimes two out of 16 students. Um, and I will say that was really difficult um, being the female teacher um, in, a, in mostly a, a male space. The teachers that I worked with were incredible they, and they always backed me up, but I did get questioned by the students quite often. Um, and so it, it really like, it really, put a damper on I always I love teaching so when I had that position I was like this is going to be my career like I'm going to go into this and when it was mostly men that I was teaching I lost interest in teaching really fast so um, that was kind of a a wake-up call for me that that yes my my passion for teaching is there but it's more for teaching people like me women Mm -hmm. so (laughs) Maybe we need to start a women's mechanic school. Well, I mean, literally sitting here thinking about that, going like, I want to go to UBI, but not if I'm the only female there. <laughs> girl there. You <laughs> should get a few, few women to go, you know, per class. That would, that would be so much fun. And there, I made some incredible friends while I was there with women that came, like we just immediately connected and had, you know, camaraderie because we understood what was going on. Yeah. And they've been really good about uh, well, I don't know if they still are, but for a long time, they were really giving scholarships to women because they were trying to actively get more women into the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know QBP still does a, a scholarship program. I think UBI might be starting their own. So, um, yeah, I do think it's really important. And, and that's another thing to talk about is being a woman mechanic in the cycling industry. I know like one of the main arguments is you can't make money in this. That is not true. That's not true. You can make money depending on what avenue you go down. And, you know, one thing that I wish, like if I could go back 20 years, I had no idea this is what I'd be doing 20 years ago. You know, I was working at the county as an appraiser. Like I didn't even know you could make money in the bike industry. But what I wish that I would have known if I was going to be doing this was I need to know more languages. Like, I really wish I knew Spanish. I really wish I knew German um, because then I could work on race teams. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I, I can't right now. I just, it's the, the language barrier is just, it's there. So, you know, I've been trying to learn a little bit here and there, but it's not the same. <laughs> it is not easy when you're older to learn <laughs> Learning those out, languages. Yeah. yeah. So that's my bit of advice for anybody that's thinking about getting into the cycling industry. Um, and you want to work on bikes and want to work, um, you know, abroad with bikes, which is really, it's, it, there's a ton of stuff out there to do. Um, yeah. Try to have a couple different languages in your back pocket. It would be really helpful. Yeah. I mean, it is hard, right? Cause most bike shop, like you see the bike shops, the traditional path, and that's where the pay seems to be the least. Like somebody reached yeah. out to me yeah. wanting to promote a job. And the pay was fifteen to twenty dollars an hour. No, in yeah, Pittsburgh or something. I was like, I can't promote this, right? No. Like, that's not a living wage. And I also happen to know that service is where you get the highest ROI in a bike shop. Like, so you know, having a good mechanic can make all the difference in your bike shop. So it's it's like a hard place because hmm. I don't look at I don't see the fine. I know Christie's worked more with the bike shop locally, but I'm like, pay your bike mechanics a good wage. And they, they will make you money. <laughs> and another thing that you reminded me when you talk about that is I learned that I don't especially like to work on bikes. Like I don't really, I'm not like a mechanical person. I cannot see myself sitting in a shop, fixing bikes all day long and be passionate about that. That's, that's not what, what I love about it. What I love about it is, is breaking it down and showing you how to do it, you know, and, and seeing that move on to another person that's that's really what I love about it I love being on the road full-time that I I've always had a sense of home on the road and I know that's not for everybody a lot of people Mm -hmm. need to be you know need to have a home base where I really just like to wander so you know it was me getting to see different places and come into different communities and get people passionate and super in certain communities and then move on to the next community was was really fulfilling for me too um, I'm curious what you find women to be, feel is the most intimidating part on the bike. Oh yeah. The derailleur a hundred percent. And that's, that's me too. Like that, that thing took me years to master, but after like, I understood the concept of it, you know, breaking it completely down and then explaining there's basically three things you need to know, you know, you need to know is your shifting within the middle gears? Is the, are you having trouble within those middle gears or is it on the high gear or the low gear? Those are, you just need to know that if you know where the shifting issue is, then you can figure out the rest, whether it's a cable issue, if, if it's a derailleur hanger issue, you know, if it's a stretch chain. So that's actually one of my favorite things to teach too, just because it's really cool to see people like, I, I call it demystifying the derailleur. Um, people coming in and just me breaking it down and then them leaving like, okay, I feel confident in touching my derailleur. Like I know what's going to happen if I turn this barrel adjuster, you know? <laughs> so that I'd say that's probably the, one of the biggest ones. The other one surprisingly is tubeless tires. Yeah. I think there's some people just aren't, um, aren't familiar with tubeless tires yet. And that's understandable. And also years ago when they first came out, you know, they were, they were pretty sketchy. Like you couldn't really, you, you would have flats even with, even with tubeless tires. And today 
they've improved them so much. It's really very rare that you get flats with tubeless tires. If you're, if you're keeping the sealant, you know, um, fresh and, and checking and, and using your plugs and what, and whatnot. So those are the two things. And, and those are two of my favorite things to teach. So tubeless tires are weird. <laughs> what? I mean, it's a, just, it's just a weird concept. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I love them. And I know, I mean, definitely they've improved. It's all, all of it has improved so much over the years, like the tire and the sealant both. Um, but it's just kind of a weird concept that you can put air into there and it stays. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Yeah. And then, and then when there is a puncture that that sealant has the properties to, you know, clunk up and close. Yeah. With air. So yeah, that is, it is weird and cool. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I remember the first time I changed my, or I replenished my own sealant. I was like, this seemed like such a mystery to me. And I was like, Oh, it's actually really easy. <laughs> I learned it on YouTube. Um, so that was one of the things, you know, we were talking about is it can feel really intimidating um, or you feel like you have to have a professional mechanic to do things, but it's so empowering, you know, when you feel like you can do your own things, especially with that derailleur piece, right? Because I don't, if you travel, there's a likelihood that you're going to jack up your derailleur. Either like TSA is going to open the bike bag and they're not going to re close it properly or just something's going to happen in like the shift in travel. And so I can imagine because I'd be like, I don't know what to do. Find me a bike shop, but it would be, that would be one of the most empowering things to learn. Yeah, for sure. You have to bend it back a little. Just, yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> manhandle it. <laughs> well, I remember my friends when she did unbound my friend, Lauren, that I talk about and she, um, her derailleur hanger broke in the ride and she was, she had got to the first checkpoint and she was like, okay, well the mechanics there, but there was a 45 minute line Oh wow! to get to the mechanic. And she, you know, she was trying to go for a time. It was just because so many people were coming in with issues and she was like, never again. So she took this old bike that she had since she was a kid. She completely took it apart and rebuilt it using Twitter. And she'd be like, what is this? Do I need to replace it? And people would message her. It's just like, I never again want to feel like I can't do something for myself. Um, so she learned how to rebuild a bike from Twitter or you could go to mechanic school. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't even like Twitter. <laughs> Wait, so what did she, what did, how did she, what did she do then with her broken derailleur? Did she, she just waited in line for 45 minutes and oh, like, she did somebody okay. cause she didn't know how to fix it. Like she had the derailleur hanger. She just didn't know how to fix it. Oh no. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, she was like, I'm never going to do that again. Like I don't know how to fix anything on my bike that's in my control. Right. There's some things that like are not in your control. Yeah. yeah that can happen. But, um, you know, so. If you're tired of those gross plastic water bottles that kind of get funky after a few uses, then our new podcast sponsor is definitely somebody you should check out. Vivo is a performance hydration company with sophisticated metal water bottles designed for cycling. That means they fit in any bike cage and their patented gravity flow technology makes it easy to drink with no need to squeeze. They also, if you get the insulated version, will keep your water cold for 12 plus hours. They have a silicone mouthpiece, which makes it really easy to open when you're riding. And like they said, the water just flows. It's really easy to use. 
Vivo offers both insulated and non-insulated bottles. And the advantage of those metal water, water bottles and that silicone mouthpiece is that they're not gonna get funky or gross. They're easy to clean in the dishwasher. You can try Bevo water bottles for yourself by going to drinkbevo, that's B-I-V-O dot com, and use the code DRINK underscore FEISTY, all caps, for free ground and U.S. shipping. If you're looking for a bag to power your epic adventures, look no further than women-led brand Fierce Hazel. I love their bags and that they are all functional, which means they're lightweight, durable, and rainproof, which is very important. They are sustainable. All are made of upcycled or recycled or responsibly sourced materials. And they're made in California with unique designs. Some of the bags that I'm loving are their handlebar and saddle bags from their True Grit line that make it easy to carry everything and they're very lightweight. Uh, and their Echelon pouches. I have had so many Ziploc bags shoved into things everywhere, and these pouches just make it really easy to carry everything um, in one seamless pouch. You can go over to fiercehazel.com slash discount slash girls gone gravel and use the code girls gone gravel to get 30% off your purchase at checkout. I think that's my problem with, with the mechanical aspect of the bike is for me, I'm a person that especially in, in, in that type of, um, environment, like with the mechanics part of it is that I learn best by practicing. And if your bike doesn't, con you know, continuously have problems, you don't get to practice it. So like, I literally want to go and if I can ever get enough time, like spend like a month volunteering in a bike shop, just to be able to continually practice it. Or maybe I just need to go in during unbound and help build up bikes or something, you know, just I actually the was thinking you like... were just going to sabotage your bike over and over again at the travel <laughs> festival. <laughs> Every time you put your bike down, like you come back and you're like, I would know it was you. <laughs> <laughs> you just go over to Casey. I know. <laughs> like, hey. off again. <laughs> uh, this is broken now. It's kind of weird. It's kind of weird. This is six. This is Kat Catherine's name written all over it. Um, no, but that, is, I mean, that for me, like even learning to change, you know, change my tire or put a tube in. It's frustrating. Like in my whole entire life, I think I've had like 12 flats and I've been riding for, you know, that's just not very many. I mean, I, I know how to do it now, but when I did my first unbound back in 2011 and, um, sliced open a tire and was going to have to put a tube in, um, I literally took pictures before I took the, you know, like because so I could go back and like yeah. look at the pictures because I was like, I, I'm pretty sure I know how to do this, but you know, I've gotten better at it since then, but you know, that's, it's intimidating, especially if you're not super confident to start pulling shit off your bike. <laughs> yeah. Like, how do I get this back in there? So Christy, you just brought up two really good points. One, whenever I'm teaching clinics, I tell people the first and second and third time you're doing it, take pictures, every step, every step before you take off the wheel, after you take out the wheel, as you take, like take pictures, because especially chains, if you're taking a chain off a bike, just seeing how it weaves through the derailleur is really mm -hmm. helpful. Um, so yeah, good point taking pictures. And the other one is volunteering at your local bike shop. And if you can't volunteer at your, your retail bike shop, there should be a bike community space, hopefully in your um, neighborhood or in a nearby city that 
just run off of volunteers. And that, you know, is really what gave me my experience um, and confidence in getting into bike mechanics is just having that repetitive, always putting new tubes in, always checking for flats, you know, um, shifting the different kinds of shifting. And so, yeah, those are great, great tips there. Look at that. <laughs> now, now you know we'll see christy you know. the bike shop and all her free time <laughs> yeah oh my gosh <laughs> um okay so you you also work with hammerhead so how did you get involved in that and you're yeah. telling us about your job and i'm like so you just get to ride your bike and trust the product yeah no that's not all but yeah so okay after my uh six months at ubi i took the position with hammerhead so i kind of knew the UBI thing wasn't going to be a a forever thing for me. Um, And the hammerhead position, what really attracted me to it was it's basically working with riders and teaching them how to use the crew to a cycling computer. And um, it was 100% remote. And so with my lifestyle of really liking to be on the road, I went for that job and was lucky enough to get it. I feel very, very lucky to be in that position. but basically rider support is all I do. Um, I just teach people how to use the crew too, and then help with any questions they might have, um, just with issues or hardware issues, software issues that they have. I also have uh, the really cool position of onboarding new cycling teams that we sponsor. So in January, I got to go to Majorca and onboard the SRAM Canyon team, who is now riding with the crew too. Um, and then I do a lot of Zoom calls for onboarding as well. So I work with um, Israel Premier Tech IPT, which is a big men's cycling team. Um, and I get to work with InstaFund and I work with, I'm trying to think of other women. Uh, I work with Legion Nines or Legion. So yeah. Do you run into any of the attitudes you ran into teaching mechanics, other people in the mechanics school? No, I think, no. The only thing that I like noticed recently with onboarding is that a lot of people don't know what the crew two is They're You know, they're pretty um, married to Garmin or Wahoo. So it's hard to come into a professional cycling team where they've never heard of the crew two and be like, okay, this is your new computer. Get excited about it. And they're like, I just want my Garmin, you know, like, what is this? I mean, I don't even want this. Like, never heard of brand. So that just combating like, okay, give it a chance. You know, let's, what, what can we do to make it better for you or make it more like the Garmin for you? Or what are those features that you need to make this computer, um, you know, really beneficial for your riding. And that's one cool thing with the crew too, is our developers are constantly adding new things. So one of the things that our our recent uh, Canyon SRAM asked for was um, core. There's a a sensor called the body core or core body, and it it monitors your body temperature throughout your riding. And that's really helpful for athletes to be at the top performance, managing their their heat or their body heat. So um, the developers got that incorporated with the crew too within just a few months. So working with the teams and and then working with our developers to to really enhance the riding of anyone using the crew too. So that job is incredible because they support my involvement in um, teaching mechanics and doing demos. So they actually um, give me time off to go do the events on top of my 
remote work. Yeah. So like, even when I'm there for um, the girls gone gravel, I'll be working through the week, you know, on my remote job. And then I'll be there on the weekend. And if anybody has a crew too at the festival. Yeah. Come see me. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I can show you all the things. Yeah. It's pretty easy to use compared to the head units I found. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, It's pretty self-explanatory, but it is different, you know, than, than Garmin and Wahoo. So there's some things that take a while to get used to. Nice. We don't like change. (laughs) (laughs) I know Amanda Nauman was riding with hers this past weekend at, at the Unbound Gravel Camp. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. She was talking to some people about it, even though we might be sponsored by Garmin, but okay. Have but you this talked podcast is not sponsored by God. Yeah, anybody. Yeah. Um, so you're, so you're full-time that technically with them and then you still get to do the events kind of with live and BMC and then anybody else that might contact yeah. you. To go yeah. Like I just did one with Stoke sisters or the Stoke MTV. If you've heard of them, they're out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, it's a coaching, uh, two sisters that do coaching and yeah, I got to do a, a maintenance clinic with them. It was a two and a half hour clinic, which is a little longer than normal. Normally my clinics are about an hour. So I was like, oh, I don't know, you know, if they're going to really be that entertained for two and a half hours, but we ended up going for almost three hours and we wanted to keep going. Like we didn't even want to stop. It was so much fun. So <laughs> that's amazing. Did you do that on zoom or did you do it in person? That was in person. Okay, yeah. Cool. In Minneapolis. Yeah. Nice. Where do you actually live? Yeah. So I pretty much live on the road full time. I'm right now I'm in a tent in the woods in Northern Minnesota, um, outside of Lutzen, Minnesota. It's cold. It's 33 degrees. Um, we've, we've got, I'm in a canvas tent, so it's a 10 by or eight by 12 canvas tent. Um, and there's a wood stove with wood burning right now. So I'm plenty cozy. We've got um, our wireless hotspots. That's how I work remote. And we actually had a hike in because the roads are closed. There's so much snow still up here. So we had to hike a mile and a half into camp with all of our gear and planning to stay out here for two weeks. But then um, I'm going to Chicago because Hammerhead was recently purchased by SRAM and their headquarters is out of Chicago. So I'm going to Chicago in a couple of weeks to do some team building there. Um, and then I might be going to Sea Otter with Liv, and then I'll be coming out to Bentonville for a lot of May, um, the Rome Fest in Knoxville, and then the, the um, Girls Gone Gravel Festival, and then there's the Bentonville Bike Fest. So yeah, like, I'm on the road. So where is home originally then? Like, where were you with your son when you were coaching mountain biking? That was Mankato, Minnesota. And that's also where Key City Bike is. Yeah. Okay. So you're a Minnesotan originally. Minnesota. Yeah, for sure. And spend a lot of time in Mankato or in Northern Minnesota, kind of between the two when I'm not on the road. I'm thinking it would be fun to be in a tent in Minnesota. That makes more sense. I'd be camping out in like Arizona this time of year and stuff. <laughs> but I did just get back from Arizona. Uh, Christy, before you got on the call, I was telling um Catherine that I've been um snow snowboarding in Sedona, Tucson, Patagonia. Oh nice. Yeah, I had a ton of fun riding out there and my partner and I were looking we're looking at properties out in Patagonia just because 
so lovely. So lovely. Well, let me know. I can help. <laughs> no, yes. I feel like in 2024, there's like a mechanic workshop <laughs> trip with Casey that should happen yeah. in Patagonia. I, I think, think that'd be great. Like really a three day learn how to completely do bike maintenance and then yeah. ride or gravel bike. <laughs> if you didn't yep. fix your bike yeah. right, you're screwed. <laughs> Maybe what it is, is you work on each other's bikes. So you really have to pay attention because you're going to be working on your friend's bike and you don't. <laughs> I feel like this could be a thing. I feel like it could be a we- a thing. Like you walk away having to done a bunch of fun rides and feeling confident in your bike skills. Well, and it'd be perfect to do it there at the little Patagonia bike shop. I know. There in the back. Yeah. A little great. I little think we have a thing for, for, if anybody's interested in this for 2024, send us a message. Let's we'll see if it. we can arrange it. <laughs> I'm definitely down. I think it'd be great. So actually, I do too. I'm gonna. I'm yeah. actually writing it down. No, I, I'm sure there's people that are interested because it's. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's it's really fun, and especially when it's all women. Honestly, it's such a great feeling um, when you're learning together, and it's a it's a really comfortable space where you don't have to be you know intimidated to ask questions, even if they seem like dumb questions. You know, they're not dumb questions. I can tell you all the silly questions I've had to ask to learn, you know, um, just the basics on bikes, even what parts are called. That's exactly. That's what I was going to say. Even knowing the part names is huge because that's just, you know, it's, it's not, you're not born knowing that knowledge. So unless you've either grown up around it or are comfortable asking, you're not going to know. So exactly. It's not that it's just kind of the way it is. That was the, the, uh, camp we were doing, you know, we, we stopped on the first day and, um, I called out for the coaches and guides that were on there to give like their best tip and then encouraged athletes that were there at that stop to ask the the dumbest question they could think of, you know, just to like, kind of break the ice of being nice. like, you know, ask your dumb question right now. We want to hear the dumbest question you've got. And I mean, it, it worked like, you know, people were asking, questions that they felt were, they were uncomfortable asking. And some of them had been riding for a long time and they're just like, I don't really understand how to corner. Well, um, you know, and it's just, just getting the opportunity to, to then work that through, work through it with them and makes their whole experience on the bike 10 times better. And it makes their experience cornering, not only for them safer, but for the people that they're riding around. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's even like a confidence thing because I don't have time to sit around and wrench in my house, right? Like I do want to take it to the bike shop, but I want to be educated enough that mm-hmm. if they're telling me something, I understand what they're saying. And I understand like, does it really need this? Or are they trying to sell me up on something? You know, like I, I want to know enough to, to understand my bike. And um, there are a lot of great bike mechanics and great bike shops I've met, but I've also met some people that have like kind of gaslighted women and been like, mm, that's not really broke. And they're like, I know my bike, like this isn't working or. Yeah. You know. That happens a lot. And I, I, so I told um, everybody in the last clinic I was in, um, you know, bike shops are definitely getting better, but still, even when I walk in as a mechanic and say, I'm a mechanic, this is what I need. I still get talked down to. And it's, it's just the culture. It's just the bike culture. I think that's just, no matter who you are, I think even men get talked down to by, by mechanics, you know? So I try, I try to just say that, try not to take it personal. It, cause it, it just, it happens everywhere. That's what it is. That's what, 
that's what happens. And, and, and like I said, I think bike shops are hearing this and they're, they're trying to get better. Um, but man, it's, I don't like going to bike shops even. I don't even like it. So <laughs> Yeah. I had this magical bike shop that a bunch of my friends and I went to in Atlanta. They actually just sold and kind of their staff turned over. So I don't know what it's like now, but I mean, their mechanic was so great because I would be like, I would go in and I would ask a question and he would just be like, and he would be like, I know you understand this, but I'm just, this is what I think I would do. What do you think? Just the way he would approach it. I don't actually don't understand what you're saying at all, but I appreciate that you went from that assumption, (laughs) you know? So I just trusted him completely, but they always had a super long wait at their bike shop because he was so good with people and like treated people that way. So cool. Uh, well, where all are you going to be? Well, oh, actually, I wanted to ask you also, do you still get to ride? Do you do any races? Do you get in any gravel? Or are you still mountain bikes? Yeah. So I do it all. I, I have a fat bike with me up here right now. Um, I've got a really sweet bmc Urs, uh one of their beautiful gravel bikes uh that i do a ton of riding up here as well um but then mountain biking i've got a, a emtb mountain bike um and then i also have a enduro mountain bike a long travel mountain bike that i ride a lot too so yeah i do a ton of riding i love i love mountain biking love gravel riding i love commuting not a big road cyclist just because of the car intimidation. Um, but I, I do like, I love cycling. Yeah. It's, it's a big part of my life for sure. It's so fun. Even in the cold. <laughs> um, that brought up something else I I'm curious about with, because e-bikes are growing so much in popularity. Do you find, are they harder to work on the same? Like yeah, you have to know <laughs> the electronic system, depending on, you know, the motor, basically, a lot of the times, if it's a motor issue, I don't even touch it, you know, I will, I will manage the mechanical systems on the bike, but not anything motor wise. But for the most part, you know, I haven't had to deal with, with much motor issues. And, and they're, it's pretty straightforward, as far as all the other mechanical systems. So yeah, it's not, they're not, I haven't found them to be more difficult to work on yet. Um, and I think they're, they're incredible. I I'm a real big supporter of, of e-bikes. Um, I get to ride longer and faster and further with my partner, you know, who rides, he can, he, he's training for the tour divide right now. So like when he's out riding, you know, 50 mile single track, that's not fun for me unless I'm on the e-bike, you know, mm-hmm. doing 50 miles on single track. That sounds like a hard day on the bike, but if you're on the e-bike, it's a lot, it's not easier, but it's a lot more enjoy- enjoyable, you know? So, um, yeah, that's, that's really where I found it to be really awesome for me, but just seeing people that normally wouldn't get to get out to ride, getting to ride is awesome. I do think um, that's been my favorite part about watching the transgression of e-bikes or the progression of e-bikes over the last few years, because it was really, people were like, oh, that's, you know, didn't want them around and they're really finding a place and you can see how, what a great tool they are. Um, I, I think they're amazing. Like being able to watch my dad go back out and ride. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's great. I think it's going to be my next bike. I mean, honestly, cause I really love lifting weights. I don't want to train as much as I would need to, to go out and do a lot of things, mm-hmm. people, but I still love to go out and explore. I have the skills 
to do the rides, you know? Um, and so I'm like, if I could go still go out and do (laughs) some of these like longer, bigger rides without having to put in the training, because I want to be doing other things with my time, both I'm really busy at work and I really like in the season of life, doing a lot of the strength training and other Mm -hmm. things. So yeah. there's a brand that we know that's coming out with one this year that I'm trying to talk to them about. Nice. <laughs> Could we do some marketing or something? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, are you looking at an e-bike or a gravel bike or what kind of, they're e-bike? coming out with an e-gravel bike. Woo. Nice. Yeah. That'd be fun. Well, where, uh, where will we see you besides at the gravel festival? So if folks are coming to the gravel festival, you're doing two clinics this year. You're doing, um, trail mate, the tra- trail maintenance, <laughs> uh, trail, trail side, side repairs. Like, yep. Trail side repairs. And the other one and is slipping my mind. Love. I think bike it's like love. love. Yeah. Yeah. So just basically, uh, loving up on your bike between service intervals. So yeah. So that you're keeping it running smoothly. Yeah, it should be really fun. And then we're going to talk about some tips and tricks um, on preventing and fixing um, issues that can happen trailside. Yeah, so those are going to be really great. People get to to be at your clinics. They were packed last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and people were asking in the the um, in the uh, evaluations for more. Cool. Or time with Casey. So and then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll also have the tr- tr- traditional tire changing. I think Meteor is coming in to do the traditional tire changing clinic too. So you'll also be able to have that, but where else are you going to be hanging out this year? You said Rome Fest. And- yeah. So doing the Rome Fests, um, I think I'll be down at Sea Otter. I um, am going to be on the road driving from Canada to New Mexico during June while my partner's on the tour divide. Um, so so if anyone wants me to come through, check out the route, see if I can stop in and do some maintenance clinics. I like doing clinics for clubs too, you know, like uh, mountain bike clubs and um, even even like book clubs, you know, <laughs> like just uh, groups of women that want to learn new stuff. So um, that's June. Uh, yeah, and that's pretty much it. The three Rome Fests and then, oh, Rebecca's Private Idaho. It's one of my favorites for sure. So Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for taking time to chat with us today. Where can people find you if they want to follow you or, or chat with you? Yeah. So, oh, Acacia, oh, underscore Acacia. My real name is Acacia. So Acacia is my nickname. Um, so Instagram, it's O underscore A-C-A-C-I-A. And then um, I'm on LinkedIn under Casey Y. Tasky. So that's a great place to connect with me if you want to have me come out um and do a clinic with your club or with your group and or at your festival and yeah those are my two main main social places awesome well thanks so much for joining us today casey we can't wait to see you in benville and maybe i'll see i think i'm gonna be at seawater so i'll probably see you oh sweet awesome yeah i cannot wait i you guys i have to say that the girls on gravel festival is one of my favorite events ever and yes last year was the first year and i was like this is amazing. And I can only imagine that it's just going to get bigger and bigger each year. So I'm so stoked to be coming back. So thank Aww. you for having me. Yay. Awesome. Thanks for the advertisement. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll be seeing All you right. soon. Okay. Take care. Bye. Bye. 
You have been listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast. This podcast is edited and produced by the team at Live Feisty Media. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating. It really helps other women find the podcast. And be sure to follow us at Girls Gone Gravel on Instagram or Facebook.